Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. All right, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Once again, Matthew chapter 6, as we conclude our series on the Lord's Prayer. God, we want to build our life on a firm foundation. God, help us to understand clearly the model that you left for us when it comes to praying, and then specifically this last petition of leading us not into temptation, but delivering us from evil. God, we ask that your spirit would move throughout this place and that you would uh, guide us, allow your, your word to guide us as we sit under the authority of it. Amen. In this series, Jesus taught us how to pray. Because Jesus actually expects us to apply this model when we pray. Today's a really straightforward, simple message. But as I'm looking through the Lord's Prayer, it's probably one of the petitions, if I had to guess, that few of us are asking when we pray. We've come to the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer in verse 13 where Jesus will address temptation. Now, we all need forgiveness of sin. However, we also need the strength and guidance in overcoming the temptation of sin. You start walking with the Lord, and many of us, maybe naively, think temptation will go away. Sin will cease. And then you walk with the Lord for maybe an hour, or maybe a day, or maybe a week, and you quickly realize, well, wait a minute. The temptation is still there. Sin is still present. And in some cases, it may even come on heavier and stronger than before because now you're actively trying to live against it and you're trying to live the way of Jesus, whereas before you weren't. And so in some ways, it can be stronger and harder. And so as we start this morning, let me pray through the entirety of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9 through 13, where Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in this final and sixth petition, it says, lead us not into temptation. This is addressing our battle with sin and evil. The meaning here kind of carries a sense, like it's like it's saying, allow us to be spared from the difficult circumstances where we find ourselves that would tempt us to sin in the first place. And so in this message, we will answer three questions. What is Jesus telling us to pray? Why does he want us to pray this? And this one might be the most relevant of all. What happens when we pray this prayer and God doesn't answer it? So first, what is Jesus telling us to pray? The phrase, lead us not into temptation, is kind of funny wording. Because it almost makes it sound like God is the one who leads us into temptation. Because it says, Lead us not into into this. 
James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So if God is never the source of our temptation, then what are the sources of temptation in our lives? I've got three of them for us. First, the devil is a source. Matthew 4.1, I've got this on the slides says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Some of you might be facing temptation in your life right now, presently, today, and it might be the devil. Second, demons are a source. Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual battle, and I think oftentimes we forget that, right? It it, it sounds like some kind of crazy sci-fi movie that we would watch, and a lot of us love those movies, yet in our reality, in our real life, we actually forget that we are at war, we are in battle. And oftentimes we aren't prepared for the battle. And so we face these temptations from uh, demonic activity or from, uh, it says, the the authorities, the rulers, the cosmic powers over the present darkness. We're at at war with an enemy who is against us. Now, if you're in Christ, let me me just remind you the good news. We know the outcome. We, We know the ending. But in this present reality that we face. And then our third, and this one's the one that, that I think it's easier for us to go, man, it's the devil or it's demons. But the third source is actually our own desires. James 1.14, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so it's easy to blame the devil or demons or some kind of thing outside of us, but it tells us another source of temptation is from within us. From our own desires. And so the source of your temptation is, is not God, but the source of the devil, demons, and your desires. Now, think about when you think about our desires, I want to kind of camp out on that for just a second. These temptations will often come in the form of subtle lies in our lives. You start questioning things. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when, when Eve was tempted, right? Now, that, that was the devil, presumably, and, and, and he got her to do what? Question things, right? She starts start questioning. So these temptations come in the form of subtle lies. You start questioning things. But did God really say that? Am, am I really supposed to still follow this? It's 2023. Isn't that Old Testament? Or it didn't, don't we have to do that anymore, right? We start, we start questioning, right? There's nothing wrong with having questions. We start having these subtle lies that we start believing. And then they become hooks in your heart, right? So it says back in James 1.14, tempted when he is Lord, right? If you're, any of you are fishermen, I don't really know all the technical terms, but I know that you put a, some kind of hook on the end of a line, Probably don't catch very much because I don't know how to do it the right way. And then you put some kind of worm, right? And you throw it out and it's kind of tricking, tricking to the fish and then they bite it and then they get, they get hooked. But sin does the same thing in our heart. There's this thing that's kind of lowered out in front of us and it's shiny and it's nice looking. And it's like, this will solve all my problems. This will help the pain go away and this will help this. And, and then we'll take it, we'll grab it. And I'll be honest, it'll feel really, really good, right? I think I said this a few, maybe a few weeks ago in a message. Like if sin doesn't feel good and it's not pleasurable to you, at least on the front end, you're doing it wrong. You should come sin with me sometime, right? I'll, sh- I'll show you how to do it right. But it leads to a path of destruction. And so it's, it's shiny, it's lower, and it'll hook in our heart. 
But what happens is it'll get you to sin in one area of your life, kind of compromise in that area. You'll give in. And what happens is it'll lead you down to where you'll give in into another area. It's almost like a domino effect. And one of them falls, and then it's like, okay, but I'm, I'm still good here, and then that one falls, and I'm still here, and that one falls. And, and then one day, it's almost like being in the ocean. You know, you're in the ocean for, we don't get in the ocean on the West Coast because it's too cold. But if you live out on the East Coast where I'm from, you get in the ocean, and you're out there for 10 minutes, and you look, and you're like, where's my beach chair? And you realize you're way down on the other end, and you're way far away from it. And you have to fight against the tide, and sin does that same thing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this place that you never thought you would go. You never thought you would get. And it will get you to compromise in one area of God's word so you start questioning all of it. And this is what I call an unhealthy version of um, deconstructing. Right? That's kind of a popular thing to do these days, a deconstructing of faith. I think there's a healthy version, but let's look at the unhealthy version. John Mark Homer says there's a good type of deconstruction. Jesus used scripture to critique the world's corruption of the church. But there's another type of deconstruction that of a Western millennial and Gen Z who use the world to critique Scripture's authority over the church. The former is the way of Jesus. And so we start questioning things in our lives. We start giving in to these subtle lies and these temptations. Now James tells us that trials and hardships will inevitably come to the life of a believer. We probably don't like that part of James. Like, really? It has to, right? But he's just being real. He's saying, look, they're going to come. And this might even be the harder part, is he tells us to count it all joy when these trials come to our life. And so the trials you're facing in your life, right now, presently, and we all have them. Some of them are really big trials and the worst we've ever experienced. Some of them may seem kind of insignificant, like you didn't find the parking spot you wanted at the grocery store yesterday. But the trials you're presently facing, are you counting them as joy when they come? Why does James tell us this? Because we are strengthened by them. This doesn't mean that we should pray to be brought into trials. Like if you're kind of like, am I facing a trial? Please bring a trial. That doesn't say that. But we should pray to be delivered from them because we know that they will come. We know that we will face them. And that we should pray to be delivered from temptation led in the paths of righteousness. So perhaps a better way to think of this first part of this verse is that we're essentially praying is, Lord, please allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt me to sin in the first place. Spare me from those things. Don't allow me to get into those things. And how do you do this? By asking for God's protection. Praying this prayer is like preventative maintenance. Now, I don't know a whole lot about vehicles, but I do know the very basics about vehicles. You ideally get your oil changed every three to five months, depending on what type of oil you're putting in your car and what kind of car you have and how old your car is. Otherwise, what will happen? What happens if you don't put oil in your car? You blow your engine, right? And so an oil change is relatively cheap compared to a blown engine. But if you change your oil, if you don't change your oil, rather, and you just keep driving the car, one day your engine's going to blow up. You're going to find yourself stranded on the way to Cannon Beach, and you're going to be hoping that you had AAA or that somebody does in your family. But that's kind of what prayer is like. When you pray this prayer on the front of temptation... It's like preventative maintenance in your life. You pray it to avoid walking through it in the very first place. But many of us, I say us because I put myself in this category, many of us do the opposite. We wait until there's an issue in our lives. We wait until the dashboard lights are coming on the car saying, stop, you're going to destroy your vehicle. 
The check engine light comes on. We wait till that happens to do anything about it. Similarly, many of us don't pray until we've already given in to temptation. You're like, shoot, I did it again. And then if your reaction's like mine, you realize that and actually you don't want to pray at all in that moment, right? You're like uh, a child who was caught stealing something from the cookie, you know, cookie from cookie jar or something. You like go in the corner. And so you're like, oh, now I don't want to pray at all. And then later we kind of circle back and you're like, oh, you know, God, I'm sorry. But what he's telling us here is it should be the opposite. It should be like preventative prayer. We're saying, God, don't allow us. God, I know that this is a temptation in my life. And so for some of us, it's this, this, this choosing not to put ourselves in certain circumstances that we know we'll have temptation. And others, it's just saying, God, please don't allow those temptations to come my way. Now look at the second part of this verse. He says, deliver us from evil. What does he mean by that? In order to answer this question, we have to look at the the idea of deliverance from the Old Testament, where we see how God delivered Israel from their burdens and their slavery in Egypt. Exodus 6, 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Although we're really close to having drones deliver our packages, and I think maybe they do that to some degree, at this moment, at least the packages I get in my house, it still requires a physical person to deliver the items that I've ordered on Amazon. In the same way, we need God to deliver us. Who do we need? God. God. We need God to deliver us from the evil we face. We need God to show up. Not our family, not our friends, Not somebody from our past. We need God. Look at verse 13 again. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the phrase translated evil in Greek can either mean evil or the evil one, the devil. And this prayer is is protection from the sin and temptation. And so you turn to God and depend on his direction. Now, the New King James Version, and some of you might be using that this morning, it actually includes this phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. Amen. Now, not all translations include that. We're not getting into that today, but the idea is that you're turning to God. You're depending on God to deliver you from the things that you're facing in your life. And so these last two petitions should be understood as a negative and positive. We've got the lead us not to temptation, and then we've got the but deliver us from evil part. And so the sinner who's evil, that would have included all of us on the front end of, of our lives for Christ. In the past, we have been forgiven. We long now to be delivered from its future oppression in our lives as we're still at war and we still face this reality. And so here's what you're praying, essentially. God, would you protect me and prevent me from walking through temptation and sin in the first place? That is what you're praying. God, give me the strength to over, overcome the temptations that I face. Because that might look different for each of us. And God, I put myself in your hands and as you do the work of delivering me from evil. And so remember, when you pray this prayer, I want you you to clearly hear this. When you pray this prayer, you are praying from a place of forgiveness if you've given your life to Christ. You're not praying this prayer as one who hasn't been forgiven. I talked with somebody this week and, and we were just discussing something that happened in their life in the past. And they even said, I don't think I've ever forgiven myself for this. 
And I said, well, that's interesting that you say that. I said, I want to remind you in Christ that he looks at you with no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. You have been forgiven. So even when you give in to temptation, even when you, you give over to these things, you're praying this from a place that you are already forgiven. And remember, to be tempted is not to sin. I think sometimes we think the temptation itself is sin. It's not. Jesus himself faced temptation, yet was without sin. And so that answers the first question for us. What is Jesus telling us to pray? And that brings us to the second critical question. Why does he want us to pray this? Jesus is assuming if you are a believer, you're desiring to follow the way of Jesus, then you'll want to, not naturally, but supernaturally, avoid temptation and sin. Right? You want to follow the way of Jesus, that means you don't want to do these things. Right? Paul talks about that. Right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm doing the things that I don't desire to do, and this struggle. You see, the lack of sin in your life is not primary evidence that you are a Christian, because we all sin. The primary evidence of being a Christian is not that you never sin. The primary evidence is you don't want or desire to sin. There's a key difference there. Is that you don't want it, you don't desire it. That maybe you find it disgusting. I think that's where some of the guilt and shame comes from in our lives. Because we actually don't desire to do it. And when we, when we do do it, we're like, ah, I did it again. And we feel defeated by it. And some of us have discovered this the hard way. But you and I do not have the power to overcome sin and temptation ourselves. So stop trying. If you fight temptation and sin and evil in your life in your own strength, you'll fail every time. I know, that's probably discouraging. But it's because it's all on you. That's where the guilt, that's where the shame, that's where the defeat comes from because it's trying to, trying to go, Ugh! it's like Gold's Gym. I don't know if they still have those shirts. They had the big muscle guy, right? It's like deep down in each of us, even if you're scrawny like I am, there's this gold gym guy. We're like, I want to defeat this in my, on my own. I can do it. But then you give in time and time again, and you're like, I can't do it. And it's like getting pushed down into a hole that you can never get out of. Stop trying. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in giving it over to Christ. There's freedom in praying this prayer. So here's the main purpose of this entire sermon. I usually give it to you in the very front end, but here's the main purpose. So if you haven't got anything else that I said, please hear this. Prayer is the key to access the power and deliverance of God against the schemes of the devil and temptations that come against us. I'll say it again. Prayer, as we've looked at these last seven weeks, is the key to access the power and deliverance of God. So you're going, where's the power? Where's the deliverance? I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do. It's, it's prayer. This is the key to access the power and deliverance of God against the schemes of the devil and temptations that come against us. I think I, I told you on the front end of this that uh, prayer was, uh, had, had always been an ongoing struggle. I used to say I was bad at prayer. Then I realized I think I've actually gotten better at prayer as I've, as I've, I've grown my walk with the Lord. And it kind of hit me this week as I was studying this. It was like, oh, there it is. Much of our struggles, much of our temptation, much of our giving in is prayerlessness. It's lack of prayer. Like Jesus has given us the guide. And so the gift for us is we can go, oh, there it is right there. This is how I access it. Now, there's a story in Mark's gospel. You might be familiar with it. Where the disciples are trying to cast out a demon. But they're not having any success. And this is what happened. Jesus shows up on the scene. That's always a good thing when Jesus shows up. And his disciples asked him privately, 
They said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. It's likely that some of you feel as if you're experiencing defeat and failure right now in your life. Against temptation, against sin. And you're wondering why. Lord, I'm following you. Lord, I've been following you. Lord, I've been following you since I was this old. Lord, I've been following you for six months. Lord, I'm following you. Why is I experiencing this? And I want to say this gently. Because you're likely fighting sin the wrong way. That is where much of the defeat comes from. You might be fighting it with rigorous discipline. You might have a thing that you write down every day or some kind of calendar or some kind of whatever. You might be fighting with rigorous accountability. You might be calling your accountability partner and um, texting somebody and saying, I'm struggling, pray for me. You might be fighting it with rigorous willpower. Just, oh, I'm going to muscle through this, right? I, I don't have to give in to this area. And I'm not saying those are bad things. All those can be really good things. And to some degree, I recommend all of them, but they all involve you and your power. And you haven't learned this already. It needs to be about him and his power. That you need to be turning to him, even within the accountability, even within the discipline, that you're looking back to him, the one who can do this. First John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the good news of those who've given their life to Christ is that we have one, the Holy Spirit within us. I think we forget that sometimes in the midst of our temptations, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our sin. That all those are very real. And sometimes it feels like it's impossible not to give in. We also forget that if we have given our life to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit, it tells us right there in, in 1 John 4, 4, that for he who is in you, he is in you, Christ follower is greater than he who is in the world. My friend Matt Carter says this, that praying, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. It gives us access to the power of God and it moves the heart of God. We've got the access. We've got the power. This is not a hidden puzzle we have to go and figure out. But what we have to do is we have to pray this prayer. Remember the first thing Jesus instructs us to do at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer? Pray to our Father. To pray to God as our Father who is in heaven. If that's true, that God is our Father, happy Father's Day, right? We have the Father. Then there's nothing that moves a parent more quickly into action than one of his children when they're in trouble. And they cry out for the help of their, their, their parent. My wife, Andrea, is one of the kindest women you'll ever meet. If you don't agree with that, don't say anything. But if you want to see the other side of Andrea, if you want to see Mama Bear come out, mess with one of her boys. Say something negative about them. And really, that would include me. I've watched it happen before. And all of a sudden, you're going to see Mama Bear come out, and her sole focus is to protect her boys in that moment. As a father, I'm the same way. If one of my children experiences fear, I want to take care of them. Occasionally, one of my boys talks in their sleep. I won't tell you which one. But I remember one night hearing, hearing a scream, right? I don't know if they screamed help or whatever it was, but it was a scream. And it's like, I'm a deep sleeper. Like a train comes through the house and I'm still sleeping. But it was like in that moment, it, it jolted me up out of my sleep. And it was like, I want to rush to their rescue. To, what is wrong? It's okay. You know, you hold them. I'm, I'm here. Daddy's here. I've got you in my arms. You see, my son was in trouble and he moved the heart of his father by appealing to me for help. God, our Father is exactly the same way with us. 
He wants to come to our aid. He wants to come to our rescue. But he wants us to cry out to him in our time of need. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If this is true, then this means that there are trials and temptations that you are experiencing and going through right now that you don't have to. Did you catch that? There's things that you're experiencing right now that you don't actually have to go through, but you have to ask him. There's the key. There's the access. My friend Matt Carter again says, many of us are being defeated when it comes to sin. Not because we are a bad Christian. Like that's common, right? We kind of feel like, no, I'm a bad Christian. That's what the enemy will tell you. When you give in to sin, if you're feeling, I'm a bad Christian, that's the voice of the enemy. That's not the voice of your father. Because your father wants to come to your rescue. Your father wants to bring you close and say, it's okay. The enemy's going to say, you're a bad Christian. You're not who you think you are. Everyone just knew they would not accept you. They wouldn't love you. He says, many of us are being defeated when it comes to sin, not because we are bad Christians. It's because we are a prayerless Christian. Jesus said, God our Father gives those good gifts to those who ask Him. What are the implications for this in our life? Don't miss this. I've already said it, but I think it needs repeating. There are trials and temptations in your life that you're going through or that you will go through that you wouldn't necessarily go through if you would just ask. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, don't allow me to get into this temptation. And so lead us into temptation, lead us not into temptation, does not imply don't bring us into the place of temptation or don't allow us to be tempted. You see, God's spirit has already defeated sin, temptation, death, it's conquered all of it. But it's, it's us praying, don't let us get into temptation. Don't abandon us, God, when we are tempted. And so if you're like me, you pray oftentimes after you've already given in and sinned. You've already crossed the point of what I call no return. But we have to flip it before temptation ever comes our way. And we're all probably tempted in different ways. There might be some overlap. There might be some similarities. But we know the things, right? The longer you follow the Lord, the more you're like, that trips me up. That tempts me. That's where this idea of conviction comes from. Like some areas, there's some gray areas in life as much as some of us don't like that. It's like that actually might be a sin for you. That may actually not be a sin for you. Because of where it leads you, where it takes you. But we have to flip it and pray the temp before the temptation ever comes because God has the power to deliver us before we ever walk through it. And so that's why we pray this prayer. Lord, lead me not into this. Lord, as I start my day, lead me, allow me not to go into this. Deliver me from the evil that's around me. And so to pray that we are delivered from evil should be part of our daily prayers. You might be thinking, okay, Matt. But I'm walking through temptation. I'm walking through sin. I've asked God to deliver me. And he isn't. I've been there in my own life. I've seen that in my own life. Where it's like, God, why won't you just take this away? I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. Why does this keep haunting me? And so what does that mean? What does it mean if I'm praying this prayer? God's not delivering me. I'm still facing it. That brings us to our final question. What happens when we pray this prayer and God doesn't answer this prayer? 
Whenever we pray this prayer, we're expressing our dependence upon God in every area of our life. We're recognizing, God, I don't have the strength to do this without you, so I'm looking to you. But there are times when God doesn't answer this prayer. My kids love snack time at our house. But here's what happens a lot of times after snack time. And I thought we get better as I get older. I think it might be getting worse as I get older. Is they leave crumbs and trash everywhere. Right? So clean table, dad's work from home, nobody's at home, kids go home from school, snack time hits, and then it's like, where did the tornado come from? Crumbs all over the table, trash wrappers on the floor, dirty spoons, and all the, all the things. Okay? Sometimes, especially if Andrea's at work and she's coming home soon, I'll just go behind them, I'll pick it all up. I'm wiping the table, I'm getting the trash, like this is going to look clean. But she's got expectations in my house. So it's going to look clean before she gets, I'm going to sweep the floor and, and just make it look nice. But other times, I may just let it sit there. And eventually I'll call the boys back. Say, boys, come back, come back. And I'll say, see all this mess, see all these crumbs, see all this trash, see all these things. And I'll make them pick up each little piece at a time. I'll make them wipe each little thing. Because what I want them to do in that moment is I want them to sense and feel the disgust that I sense and feel when I look at that mess that they made. And they don't get afternoon TV time before they do it. So there's kind of a, there's kind of a hey, you, you've got to do this, right? I want, them to, I want them to kind of sit in that. Which of those scenarios will teach them a lesson they're more likely to remember? The second one. Right? Them, them having to get on their hands and knees and clean up the floor and clean up the wrappers and to get all the crumbs and to get them all wiped up. Especially when they do it quickly. I'm like, come back, come back. You got to do it again. And that's exactly how God works with us sometimes. Sometimes he'll remove something from our lives in one swoop. And God can do that. And we don't fully understand why he doesn't always do that. My father, before he gave his life to Christ, was an alcoholic. Now, I didn't know him at this time. Thankfully, it was all far before. He loved alcohol. He craved it, right? It's, it's hard to honestly fathom because I grew up in that, that wasn't my father at all, but he craved it. He couldn't go without it. Well, as soon as he became a Christ follower, he asked God to change that desire. And overnight, he went from craving it to, to this day, he can't stand the smell of it. It's disgusting to him. And so that's one swoop God did it. But other times, and this might be more common to us, he's much slower. God allows the process for whatever reason to create in us a hatred and a disgust for the sin that otherwise wouldn't be produced. So that eventually, when you come to your senses in that, that every time you're tempted in that fight of the guilt, the shame, the stink of sin, that that process will help you from ever walking through it again. Right? There's a mystery in that. Once again, our prayer is, God, just, just take it away, right? Well, is it, I think we'd all agree with that. Like we, God, we're on category one. Just take the, take the dump truck and get it all out and, and rid us of it. For whatever reason, God allows us sometimes to go through that. But hopefully that process will make it where we're so disgusted by the sin, just as God sees that sin, that we don't ever walk through it again. And so listen to this. We're getting close to the end. But if you are a child of God, and you're praying for God to deliver you from a sin and he is not doing it, it isn't a sign that God has given up on you. Because God can't give up on you. He can never give up on you if you are his child. He looks at you as his beloved. His beloved son, his beloved daughter. And so it's not a sign that God has given up on you if you can't get rid of a sin in your life. It's actually quite the opposite. If you're a child of God and he hasn't delivered you from some sin, he hasn't given up on you, it simply means that he is still working on you. There is some process that he's allowing you to go through 
that we don't understand. We're asking him to take it away, but he's working on you. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's molding us. He's shaping us to get us to the place where he wants us to be. And he's going about the process of making you look more and more like Jesus. And one day, when he does deliver you from whatever it is that you're facing, you'll have such a disgust for that thing in your life, you'll never want to return to it. Right? And so, Sojourn, is there an area of your life where you need to pray this prayer? Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's a recurring sin. Maybe it's a really big one or maybe it's a really small one. Maybe there isn't a sin yet, but you're standing on the crossroads of a temptation and you sense you might give in. If that's you, regardless of where you are and like me, you find yourself in the midst of the struggle, we simply think that we learned today is to be people of prayer. Keep praying, keep fighting, keep trusting the Lord to deliver you in his strength, not in your strength. And when he does, you'll look more like Jesus. And it was all worth it. Amen? Amen. Let me finish by praying. God, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So here's how we're going to respond uh, this morning. I'm going to leave us in a response of prayer before we uh, take communion as a, a church family. And so I've got two questions for us that go in line with this prayer. The first question is, where do you need to pray this prayer? That first part, lead me not into temptation. And so my question for you, is there a present active temptation in your life right now that you know continues to tempt you? You probably don't even need to ask God to reveal that thing to you because it's probably already on your heart, probably... You're you're probably having a a pitter-patter right on your mind. But what I want to give you right now is not the opportunity to feel guilt and shame and condemnation. What I want to give you right now is an opportunity to voice that to God. He already knows it anyway. Voice that to God and ask for Him to deliver you from that temptation in your life. That, That you wouldn't face it in the first place. And if you do face it, that God would give you the strength not to give in to that temptation. Go ahead and take a moment right now, just between you and God, and pray that prayer.
second part of the prayer says, but deliver us from evil. Evil is real and it's all around us in the world where we live. And so pray that you would be delivered from the evil that is out to get you. area of deliverance that maybe you need to experience in your own life that you can experience that even today. temptations that we each face in our lives, sometimes by naming them, by giving them over to you, and God, I do pray that you would deliver us from the evil that we face. God, in some ways, when we get to gather as your church, it's like we get to get back into a huddle together. We get to come up with a game plan. God, we get to be reminded that we are in a real battle. God, we get a little bit of respite. We get to be encouraged by one another. God, we get sent back out into the battle. So God, I do ask this week, as we go back into battle, that you would deliver us from evil that's around us that we face. All those powers, those authorities, that tensions and Ephesians that are against us. God, deliver us from the slavery and the bondage in our lives and the sins we continue to return to as we worship you. sing two songs of praise. Um, thank you for Dakota for being here this week and Ben's absence. So as Dakota leads this first song, if you haven't already, take a moment to uh, get juice or wine and, and the bread, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper as a family. But take some time to reflect. Continue to rest in this, this place and just be honest with the Lord. He knows it anyway. And for some reason, if you say, you know what, I would just love prayer for a temptation I'm facing. You don't have to even tell me what it is. Or, you know, I need prayer for deliverance. There's something that I just feel in bondage and slavery to. Then I'm going to make myself available during this first song. And I'll just be in the back. Somebody needs prayer. And, um, and then I'll come back up over this first song and lead us through to take the Lord of Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.